Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to the Bake Down podcast with me, Josh Landy, founder of Bake with a Legend the company that gives you the chance to bake alongside former contestants from the Great British Bake Off. And talking of baking alongside the former contestants, we're thrilled to say that is now something you can do from anywhere in the world. Since going into lockdown in April, we've started online classes and have been overwhelmed with the support and interest from around the world. And I must say, in particular, from our friends across the Atlantic Ocean in the United States of America. So you can visit bakewithalegend.com slash online classes to check out what's on offer. There's a wonderful range of classes with many of our bakers. So whether you fancy learning how to make raspberry jam donuts with Jane Beadle, citrus macarons with Dan Beasley Harling, or Black Forest Eclairs with Howard Middleton, or so much more, then just with a few clicks of a button, you'll be able to sign up to our intimate interactive classes where you'll learn new skills and hear tales from the tent. Our public classes take place on Saturday and Sunday from 5pm London time, that's 12pm New York, with new classes put up almost every week, and there's even a 10% discount on offer if you enter the code PODCAST at checkout. So we've just finished recording the first podcast of the series that you're about to listen to, and you may not be surprised to learn that Jane Howard and I have had to record this podcast remotely, but we're delighted to be back. We'll be here for the next 10 weeks reflecting on what's happened in the tent, and we're expecting to be joined by other former contestants in the coming weeks to give us even more insight and opinion. Thank you to all of you who have emailed asking that we come back to Suzette in New York, Kate in South Wales, Emma in Berlin, please know how much we appreciated your and so many other messages we got. And please remember, we would love all of your questions or comments during this season. You can reach us on thebakedown at bakewithalegend.com. For now, though, enjoy the podcast. Please tell your friends all about us and we'll be back next Wednesday. Well, hello and welcome back to series two of The Bakedown. We're only three weeks later than we thought we'd be, which, given how 2020 was going, is an amazing success. And I'm absolutely thrilled 
that the same two former contestants who joined us last year, Jane Beadle and Howard Middleton, are back again. Now, Jane, we're on Zoom this year rather than all being together in person. And I just want to know, have you missed your rendezvous with Howard at St Pancras? I have really missed my rendezvous. It was very romantic. And I'm not sure, not sure there was a clock there, but we did meet under the indicator board by Platform 13. Yes, it was It was always a joy to see Howard. Because, of course, I wasn't on the show with Howard, but I feel as though he's a really great mate because we'd, we'd met at various food festivals over the years. And then having, what did we do, 10 weeks of um, podcasts last year. I mean... Yeah, I absolutely love Howard, as do a lot of the viewers and listeners, and I miss him terribly. But having him here in my home on a screen again is sort of the second best thing, really. And, and Howard, we've saved you a trip from Sheffield to London to, to come and do a recording. And Jane has already pointed out you're doing this in your pyjamas and you've got a mic of tea in front of you. It, we couldn't do this if we had to all meet in person. <laughs> I, I've not got my pyjamas on. Do you know, I, I, I feel awful about this now. I shall have to get something different. It is actually a, a stripy French Connection t-shirt. And it was, um, I thought it was quite a nice one. Um, but yes, no, thank you for, for saving me the trouble of actually um, coming from Sheffield. I miss Jane too. I miss our rendezvous. Um, the thing I don't miss though, Jane, is trying to carry on a conversation on the tube. Do you remember when it was really noisy and we're both in animated conversation mid-flow and then suddenly you can't hear yourself think? So hopefully we'll be able to hear ourselves both think and speak on this occasion. Oh, that was terrible, wasn't it? We'd just be in mid-flow, mid-sentence, and suddenly the rattling was so loud. Even though we were sitting next to each other, we couldn't hear each other speak. Yes, I, I won't miss that. <laughs> Now, now look, in even the two minutes that Howard, Jane and I have been speaking, we have heard Jane's dogs. So just a, a warning that you might possibly hear your dogs, Jane. Is that a fair? Uh, yes, we very well do. They have had their breakfast and they have been out for a walk and they would normally be sound asleep by now because they're the two of the laziest dogs that you've come across. Um, but they decided they'd like to have a real fight outside my office. So if we do hear any dog noises, it could be the postman, it could be a cat in the garden. So I, I apologise for any barking that may occur. That's fine. Well, at least we've got it out of the way. And, and Howard, are your chickens noisy this morning in your flat or are they being quiet? Um, um, oh, these imaginary chickens. Do you know, with, with all the, the sort of creativity that goes through your head when you, you're sort of in lockdown, I sometimes wonder whether I have got chickens now or not. <laughs> well, it would be it would have been useful to maybe get some eggs because there was a time in lockdown that was that was incredibly difficult. Did you did you suffer with get, getting hold of baking ingredients at the the early stages of lockdown? Um, I did. I think um, it. it in a way, it's really good because it encourages you to sort of look at what you've got in your drawers and cupboards and so on, um, and use stuff that perhaps has gone past its best before date, but still, you know, flour that still works perfectly well. Um, so you do sort of uh, go through your stock of stuff, and then you get to the point where you're really, really struggling to find uh, find things. But um, but yeah, we we made it, didn't we? So that's good. Yeah, and, and Jane, you're always very good at making sure you use up in ingredients. I always see what you've managed to make and found, found from your fridge or from your kitchen. Were you also having to be quite innovative in those early weeks of lockdown when it was hard to get hold of a few items? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because even the most random flowers, I know in Howard's uh, gluten-free cookbook, he uses a lot of different flowers. The, the, is it Telft flower, Howard? That is, it, yeah, I noticed that was on the shelf in Sainsbury's. Um, and the next week, even that had gone. There wasn't any flower on the shelves in Sainsbury's. Um, we were lucky for eggs because we've got a lot of local farmers around here and you can buy wonderful fresh free range eggs straight from the farm. But it was the flour that I struggled with and yeast. And I ended up buying, excuse me, I ended up buying 16 kilo bags of flour that you could, you could get hold of those actually. And I think it was the packaging of the flour they had problems with for the smaller bags. So you could get the big 16 kilo bags, but I didn't have any room for 16 kilo bags. So actually I've still got um, two chairs in my kitchen with a bag. I actually ought to put faces on them because they feel like my children now, these bags of flour that gradually, <laughs> gradually go down. Um, but I think the thing about it was I thought it was wonderful that people were baking it and cooking together as families. Um, and I hope, I, I think I've talked in the past about having a lost generation of, of young cooks because we learned from our grandparents. I certainly did from my grandparents and my parents. And then people got very busy or you had two working parents and not enough time to cook. Um, and maybe they've been rediscovered the joy of cooking together again. Um, so maybe that's a good thing that's come out of lockdown, that family are sharing those sort of homely experiences and enjoying their food, whether it be cake or whether it be dinner or whatever it was. Um, and yeah, struggling through the adversity of not being able to find their ingredients as well. It's been a trying time and particularly trying time, I think, for the bakers in the tent because they would have to be practicing all their things and getting their recipes ready before they went into their purda, if you like. Um, and how did they get all their stuff? I think it's been a very, very trying time this year for all of us and for the bakers. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll come on to what this biosphere must have been like for all of them to go into. But just picking up then what you said, Jane, I think I think you're right. Even speaking to so many of my friends who I'm living here in, in North London, a, a lot of my friends would travel into town every day. And now having that extra hour at the beginning and the end of a day, allowing themselves for a time to cook in a way that maybe a couple of times a week, they'd be tempted to take an easy option and cook, you know, something, you know, probably not from scratch, or maybe order a takeaway. I think a lot of them have, have had more time and, and sort of, yeah, perhaps had chance to bake with their um, cook or bake with their families or children. So it's probably, you're right, one positive um, that, has, that has certainly come from this. Now, look, we, we, we obviously have to talk about the new series, the 12 new contestants. How are you finding, you know, obviously we've just watched one episode. Do you think you know them all by, by name and face now, Howard? Have you, have you managed to, uh, to familiarise yourself yet? Um, I think I have actually. It's one of those things that you do um, when you when you watch it. You sort of think, how long is it going to take me to remember the, all of their names? Um, and clearly, this year there's been a bit of a, a of an issue um, because there's Mac and Mark and Mark, one with a K and one with a C. Um, and um, Bakeoff have already made a, a point of the fact that their names are similar. So. Um, Yes, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a little bit, but, but then again, you've got three of them, haven't you, there? If you remember three, uh, if you do that. 
Plus, yeah. actually, I've just I've just pinned them up on a shelf in front of me just so that so I remember what their names are. Well, that's a that's a clever idea, Howard. You're you're a step ahead of us. Um, well, James, how do you think you would have done going into some kind of biosphere? You know, to to go off and you know be away from family potentially for up to six weeks. It's a I mean, it's a big enough do- commitment doing Bake Off in normal times, but to do this is is extraordinary. It must be so hard. I don't know how I would manage. I, I was just thinking, if they wanted me to go into the tent next year and we had to do this, how would I cope? I don't have any kids at home, that's fine. Would I leave my husband and dogs for eight weeks to manage on their own? I don't think of the chaos I'd come home to. <laughs> but... <laughs> probably still say yes so um so if, if you want to um, bake off if you're listening love productions if you're listening howard and i would very love to be part of a let's see if they can win second time round series they're doing an australian master chef this year so howard and i will be there guys you don't have to interview us we'll just turn up with our spatulas and um quarantine for eight weeks what do you think howard Absolutely, yeah. No, I, I, well, I've not packed yet, but I'm, I'm willing <laughs> to do it at a moment's notice. So, yeah. First things first, we've got a, a new co-presenter, don't we, in Matt Lucas. Um, how do you think he got on, Howard? Were you, were you excited to see him? Oh, do you know, I, I absolutely love Matt Lucas. I just thought he was wonderful. I thought he, he got it absolutely right. I think he's a really good mix with, with Noel, for a start. Uh, and I think he brings this kind of surreal irreverence. But also, he's really, really lovely with the contestants. He's, he's got a very natural, warm um, personality. And he, he, he sort of puts them at their ease by offering to dance with them or sing to them or, or things like that. And I think that, thinking back to um, the, the time when I was in the tent with Mel and Sue, that's exactly what you need. You just need sometimes somebody who will come up to you and just do something really odd and, and a bit funny and just lighten the mood a little bit because it can get very, very serious. You, you've told me in the past, haven't you, Jane, you do get an opportunity maybe with you know, it's different with, you know, Paul Hollywood. Maybe there's, because they're a judge, they don't want to give you that level of interaction. But with the two, you know, presenters, there is chance for interaction over the course of the show. Oh, yes, they're allowed to talk to us. The judges aren't, just in case there's any um, uh, sort of accusations of favouritism and things like that. So we're, we're not really allowed to mix with them un- unless they've got a producer or somebody with them as they come round to the benches, in case we slip them a fibre or something, I think. Um, but the presenters, of course, aren't the judges, and so they're allowed to chat to us almost as much as they like or they have time for. And that's an absolute joy. I mean, we had Mel and Sue as well, and then um, I was very fortunate to do a Christmas Bake Off episode with Sandy and Noel. And, you know, as Howard said, you know, they're so kind when they come round. They try not to get in your way at a busy busy point but they're there just to lighten and help and cheer you on um, and they're an absolute joy uh, I, I love Noel I think Noel is absolutely fantastic and I think he's settled in now perfectly he looks like a real old hand and I totally agree with um, 
Howard. Matt Lucas is an absolute darling. I've always loved him. He's pitched it just right. And, you know, I think he's a perfect foil for Noel's complete bonkersness. I think they're very, very lovely together. And I look forward to Matt sort of relaxing even more into the role. I think he did brilliantly well for his first episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it and um, look forward to seeing how he comes on in the rest of the series. No, great choice presenter. And I haven't even considered him when I heard Sandy was going. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I think he was really fun to watch. I mean, straight mm-hmm. away, Howard, they were, they were joking, weren't they? On the very first moment where he had to say, you know, get set bake, he was, uh, it was taking a few seconds for him and Noel to, uh, to get in sync. Yeah, and, and I think if that if that was the edited version, I'm pretty sure that that the bakers had had lots of hilarity watching various kind of takes of that as well. So I just think, oh, wonderful. Well, um, the new series we've got thirty challenges. I guess we're going to be talking about over the the next ten weeks, and challenge one in what was obviously cake week, was Battenberg. Uh, Jane, Battenberg, is that something you'd have, you'd have relished if, uh, if that was your first uh, challenge in the tent? Well, Battenberg's a really nice um, challenge, I think. And I, I've never made one, but I'm going to make one. So watch this space. Um, I think I love marzipan, so I don't know why I've never made one, to be perfectly honest. I thought it demonstrated a range of good skills without being too taxing. Once again, it's the time that gave them the problem. I'm sure they could have all created a beautiful Battenberg um, had they been able to get those cakes cooled in time. Always the problem um, has to be, you know, they they can only have so much time in the tent and so you have to cut your challenges down. Um, I thought they did brilliantly. I thought it was a lovely challenge hard enough but without being too crazy difficult and it was a joy to see what they produced i thought they did some amazing things but we'll talk about those i'm sure and then what the individual contestants did but um some very creative ideas in there i thought yeah there were weren't there i mean howard the the general challenge here is you know you've got to get the the sponge into the oven because it's going to need time to cool to then be able to pat it correctly and, and get it you know looking as perfect as it could be what was the the one or the the sort of the one or two that really stood out to you? I, I quite liked uh, Mark's. He sort of did this Turkish bizarre battle. I thought that was quite creative. What were the ones that sort of stood out to you? Um, I thought it was. Um, I think it, you're absolutely right about the the challenge of sort of getting the the cake in, letting it cool. Uh, and I think one or two people were a bit ambitious about going beyond that kind of square checkerboard pattern. So I admired the fact that Rowan was was trying to do something like a temple, but but clearly didn't didn't quite pull it off. And Peter, again, a sort of man after my own heart in terms of doing something gluten free. I thought that looked really lovely. I loved the, the fact that he concentrated on keeping the the cake simple, but then ended up with this kind of spotty patterned marzipan, which I thought looked very effective as well. What I liked about Peter, he referenced John Waite, didn't he? I mean, Peter's now 20 and he referenced sort of growing up watching Bake Off and, you know, remembering John Waite from the show. And, and now that's interesting, isn't it? We've got these contestants coming on the show who were barely, you know, probably got 10, 12 years old when they were starting. And, and that's incredible when you think about it, about the longevity now 
um, of Bake Off. I thought that was a, a, a really special moment. Yeah, it was, it was sort of Peter represent, was the youngest contestant this year, wasn't he? There were a few other things that I thought um, stood out, Jane, here, because we did have Mac, who, who went, you know, with pistachio, didn't he? Oh. He wasn't obviously a fan of the almond. And there was, was there an inevitability about Paul commenting on that, possibly? Yeah, yes, I suppose so. But I think uh, um, pistachio marzipan is perfectly valid. You know, you could do it with almost any nuts. I think Paul's criticism of that was the combination of flavours. Because what did he do? He did orange stem ginger and then the pistachio. And, and I got the impression that Paul didn't like the combination and that it didn't work together. They thought that an ordinary almond marzipan wouldn't have made it quite so complicated flavour-wise. Um, I like the idea he was trying it with a pistachio. I don't think it's fair to say that Paul would inevitably have criticised that. I think um, they will very often say, oh, that's unusual, but actually if they taste it and it works, we'll accept that that's fine. Because I think as much as Paul can be... Uh, shall we say, diplomatically difficult. Um, I think he's fair when it comes to flavours. Um, and maybe just that flavour combination didn't work. I mean, we can't judge here. We can just sit at home and think, oh, that sounds nice, or that doesn't sound nice. But whether the actual flavours work, um, we have to trust the judges to that. Um, but all, all credit to him for trying a different flavour. Yeah, I mean, that's quite brave in a way, isn't, isn't it, Howard? If you've got first week in the tent, you've had however long to think about going in the tent, then you've had a delay about going in the tent, and then you're one of 12 people in there, and the other 11 are all going in a different direction. That You've got to be quite brave to, to do that, don't you? I, I, th I think you do, although um, this will... I mean, obviously, in previous years, you don't really find out what other people are doing until that, that very day when they're actually baking. You might have met them, say, the night before filming and done a bit of a chat about, oh, what are you doing tomorrow and that. Um, but I don't know whether being in this bubble, whether that gave more opportunity for a bit of discussion beforehand about... Um, what they were planning to do in that that first day it's it's tricky as well because you do think you know i want to make a good impression to begin with and, and if that means doing something um a little bit out of the ordinary uh, that's fine but at the same time you don't want to risk doing something too difficult that you're going to um you know come across which is i think what what happened with rowan unfortunately yeah i think i think it's probably fair just how nervous were you, Jane, before that first piece of feedback that you ever got in the tent? Because I can imagine if you, and you see it, don't you? If that doesn't go well, you, there's such a fear, I'm sure, about going first that you just want to get off even to a solid start, you know, a good, good start. Yes, I, oh, I think none of us wanted to go. We were all equally nervous. That first day in the tent is incredibly nerve-wracking. Although, I think I've said it in the past, it's, it's bizarre. You're in that tent. It's so familiar. We had watched six or seven series of it. Um, and so it felt as though we'd been there before in a way. But yes, you're naturally nervous. And I know when... I was thinking back about what I would do on Bake Off or what I would do again if I had the opportunity to do it again. It would be to keep it simpler because you're at home coming up with all these ideas and you assume everybody's going to throw the kitchen sink at it and they, some of them do. Um, 
But the most important thing is to have delicious flavours, hit the brief and get it finished, which again is where Rowan fell down, really. Um, I love him, though, don't you? I think he's absolutely lovely. I hope he goes a long way. Was there any anyone else that either of you wanted to, to mention here from a start? We saw Hermione had the chocolate orange Battenberg and, and used marmalade. Are you a fan of the, the using of marmalade there, Jane? That, that I thought was an interesting one. Mm, I thought it was an interesting one. I mean, it's a great combination, isn't it? A classic combination, chocolate and orange. And marzipan, um, even if you're a great fan, is incredibly sweet genius idea putting the, mar- uh, the marmalade in. I'm assuming she sipped it so there weren't any lumpy bits. Um, but I thought, yeah, I thought that was very creative. I think we've got some interesting bakers there this time. Um, Mark's Turkish Bazaar one, but Bazaar, Bazaar, sorry, not Bizarre. I thought it was a lovely idea. I, I mean, it's interesting when you hear what the ingredients are and he went, oh, pomegranate. And I thought, Oh, but pomegranate doesn't really taste of anything. And then Paul said, well, pomegranate doesn't taste of anything. Um, But I thought he did a lovely job. Sarah, obviously. Um, Peter, for me, oh, well, I'm sorry, Lottie with her rhubarb and custard. I know she had a bit of an issue with how it looked on the inside, but I loved the stripes. I thought that was incredibly creative and sticking it in a plastic bag. I think she's going to be one to watch. But Peter and Rowan at the moment are my front runners. Rowan, because he makes me laugh. He is just brilliant. I I love him. And Peter, because for a 20-year-old, and we had a lot of youngsters last year, and he's the youngest there this year, I thought, my goodness, me, that boy's got a talent. Um, I really look forward to some of the stuff that he's going to produce. He's, He's great to watch. The press release said he's an accounting and finance student. He grew up feasting on his mum's home cookie in Edinburgh. It was actually Bake Off that inspired the 20-year-old Badminton International. Hey, Badminton International to start himself. He likes to include Scottish ingredients like berries, whiskey, oats and honey wherever he can. Howard, I don't recall any previous Badminton Internationals in the Bake Off uh, alumni. It's quite impressive, really. No, no, yeah. I think... um... Frances, who was the who was the the contestant who actually went on to win, um, she invented uh, various contestants. So we ha- we had uh, we had pretend contestants as well because I think she's got mixed mixed up um, that somebody was was um, someone who did punting and played the guitar or something like that, and it turned out to be nobody that was in the tent. So we, we just made up extra contestants who actually weren't <laughs> in the tent at all. So there could have been somebody playing badminton amongst uh, Francis's group of contestants, but uh, not probably in reality. Let's move on then possibly to the uh, technical challenge, challenge two. Six miniature pineapple upside down cakes, um, a, a classic bay. You want them to be light buttery. You've got to get the perfect cra- caramel. Jane, perfect caramel is uh, <laughs> something you'd have uh, you'd have read. <laughs> Thank you, Josh, for pointing that out. <laughs> I did have issues, and people still remind me that I had epic caramel fails in the tent. Um, I just made caramel actually up here, and um, I, I I don't have any trouble at home. Um, it's the tent, isn't it? I, I think I can make caramel now, and I think I could do it in the tent, but we'll never know. Um, yeah, nice challenge, actually. Again, one to settle you down, as they said, sort of a paired, paired back recipe, so they don't give you too much information. Make a caramel. 
I think is they, they tend to give you all the ingredients. So make a caramel, we should all be able to do that. Um, it's then your judgment how dark you make it. I've never made a pineapple upside down cake actually, but they look lovely in those little ones. Um, make your sponge, how long to bake it. And it should be fairly straightforward and a, a settling down recipe. It was interesting to see how nervous people were that they didn't, a couple of them didn't even grease their tins. Great challenge though, I think, um, yeah, I, I like that one. They haven't done that before, have they? But um, it's a really nice one to do. Yeah, I think very sensible choices this week. I, I liked the challenges this week. It's always interesting, Howard, isn't it, with the technical challenge, when you, you want to know who in the tent has made this before, who is a little bit unsure about what this is supposed to be. And there did seem to be a little bit of a mix in there because, you know, Laura was you know, immediately quite confident, oh, I've made this before. And there were people who certainly not in that boat. And I, again, maybe on week one, you're just really hoping that it's something you're a bit familiar with. Absolutely. And I think, um, although I have made a pineapple upside down cake before, I've never even seen them done as individual cakes. So I think, you know, you, you've, you might have some of the skills to be able to, to do something like that. But actually doing something very small um like a like a mini cake an individual portion like that um the, the, there's an element of trickiness to that as well and the fact that they gave them a pineapple and and expected them to sort of cut rings from it when you think oh gosh you could have got tinned pineapple being a lot quicker than this but yes i suppose that shows a skill in them being able to cut a ring of pineapple and take the core out of the centre. Exactly what you need on Bake Off, isn't it? I thought yeah. the shame of that challenge was making the pipe cream on the top. I've never seen cream pipe on the top before. And in a, what was it? They had 90 minutes to do that. And to get it cooled, in, cool enough to take the cream, I thought was a bit cruel, actually. Because, as you saw, nobody managed to get them cool. Um, and, and the cream was all sliding off all over the place. I thought that was a bit mean to make them do that. Just a nice one without the piping in 90 minutes, I think, would have probably been kinder. But maybe not so much fun to watch. <laughs> there, there was the, the classic bake-off wafting going on, wasn't there? To try and get these to desperately cool down. Well, what utensil or object of choice for wafting, Howard? What do you tend to reach for? I, I, I would tend to reach for a sort of flat baking sheet or, or something like that, which I think one or two did. Uh, but Rowan seems to be doing it with alternate hands, which was, uh, was very entertaining to watch. You can go for the alternate hand approach. Now, the first technical challenge, and no, no, Sura did brilliantly, didn't she, Jane? You know, I thought Sura and Peter, there's very little in it between them in the end. Oh, yes, it was, it was hard to choose who was going to win there, but I did feel sorry for Sura because she, she couldn't enjoy her victory, really, could she? Because she felt so guilty about knocking Dave's on the floor. And, oh, my God, I mean, it's like custard gate. It was like ice cream gate. It was just, it was just awful. I felt so sorry for both of them, actually, but... Dave took it incredibly well, didn't he? He was very gracious in the whole thing. Um, but that's the lie. It did make me laugh. <laughs> you alluded to it there, Jane. Let's come to Howard, who, who you know, 
as we've probably said before, not many people have a, a gate named after them from Bake Off history, but Custard Gate remains in, in Bake Off folklore. I don't know what we're going to call this one. Is it mini miniature pineapple upside down cake gate doesn't have the same ring to it. I don't know what you're going to call it, but I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was quite dramatic, wasn't it? And, but what I did like Howard is there was no pretense that this was going to have an impact on, on David. You know, it was put your best two forward and it was actually brushed over quite nicely, really, wasn't it? Like I thought in the edit. I think you're right, and and obviously the week before I um, experienced custard day, I'd got um, Sue who accidentally elbowed one of my muffins as uh, during a technical challenge, and at that point, you know, they they said, "Oh, the judges are not going to judge the one that that Sue has has elbowed." So I think I think there is a, a sense that they will be fair, that they understand that sometimes accidents do happen. And, um, uh, you know, it, um, they have to basically judge what they can judge. I mean, it could have been, it wasn't that far off all six falling off, right? And then what on earth do you do? Because if they've all gone on the floor, how do you judge? Do you, do you hang around, give him another hour and a half and he can do them again so he's got something to, to put forward? That would have been a, a really bit of a dilemma, maybe, one that's never been seen before, Jane. Yeah, I don't know what they would have done. And they, I suppose they could have gone back and looked at a bit of footage to see what they look like, or maybe just said, on this occasion, we're not going to judge him and we'll just judge 1 to 11. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I have no idea what they would have Amazing. done. But it was funny. Perhaps we could call it Wasp Gate. Was it Wasp? Was it a Wasp she was wafting off? But then we had a bit of a wasp, wasp gate in our year, but that didn't appear on telly, but there we go. Um, uh, Andrew's still recovering. Andrew is still recovering from his Moscate trauma. But I don't know. I thought they all took it very... They are a really nice bunch, aren't they? They all took it very well. They're all just jolly lovely, I think. I think it's really um, hard, isn't it? Um, because that, that there's, there's almost like a few minutes or so when you first start watching a new series of Bake Off and you think... Am I going to warm to these contestants yet again? Are they going to have chosen a group that I can relate to? And I thought, you know, very, very quickly, oh, these are lovely. I, mm. I, I really, really going to enjoy watching this. Yeah, I agree. And uh, they've all got their own different characters, but they all say, as you say, absolutely lovely. Um, and, and young Peter being the youngest, he would have probably fitted in better last year because of all the young ones. But... He'd actually, well, he only said, I've had a crackerjack of a day. How sweet is that? I mean, they are adorable, all of them, and I don't want any of them to go. No, I mean, just just on the technical challenge here, so yeah, we had Sura come first, Peter second, <laughs> Rowan third, Lottie came fourth, and down, down at the bottom, it wasn't too good for Linda, was it, Howard? She, it wasn't properly cooked, which is never a great start. No, Linda had had a bit of a bad day, hadn't she? Because she, I don't know whether we mentioned about her back there, but she'd really done something quite personal and, and uh, emotional. And then it just didn't, it was overbaked and dry and, and so on, and she didn't really decorate it as well as she would have liked to. So I think she, um, she had a, a bit of a rubbish day as well. And you could tell um, that it must have been a dreadfully long day because it was actually going dark when they started to uh, to interview her as well. So I think 
when you think about the amount of time and effort that, that's gone into that first day of filming, it is incredibly stressful. We move on to the, the third challenge. Now, this was quite fun, wasn't it? I mean, making a cake bust, you know, of, of a celebrity like a hero, it was a bit of almost, yeah, engineering, decorating, and, and of course, baking. Jane, this, it was quite an exciting one this time, I thought. <laughs> yeah, yes, had I been given that brief, my heart would have sunk, I think. It's uh, well, so really, really really difficult challenge isn't it i mean bad enough to create any likeness of a famous person um especially if like me you're not that artistic um to do it out of cake is really hard and to do it in what do they have four hours again the whole if you I, i i do make cakes and i do carve them into shapes um and you need their really cold, really firm sponges. So I would make them maybe the day before if I was pushed for time or pop them in the freezer and get them out when I need them so that that crumb has firmed up. So you, you know, you can create something out of it. But then to try and do that with warm sponges, well, warm or even very soft, fresh sponges, is almost impossible. Um, fun to, really fun to watch. Um, but a bit mean for the first week. I thought that was a, 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 a bit of a sort of sadist challenge, but I did enjoy watching it. I thought some of them were absolutely fantastic. And even the ones that didn't quite come off were wonderful to look at, absolutely hilarious. I, yeah, very entertaining. And let's not forget that Bake Off is entertainment. I mean, it's just fantastic. Well, Jane, which, which were the one or two then that, that leapt up to you most, that you, you most enjoyed or thought you were most impressive? Well, oh, good old Rowan. I thought, see, I'd, I'd just go back to his Battenberg challenge. I thought he was um, almost unflappable. He was what you need to have in the tent. Oh, my God, they're not cooked in the middle. I'll put them in a microwave. You know, he didn't go throw his arms up in the air and burst into tears and go off in a, a sulk. He just thought, well, how am I going to deal with this? And this time, I thought his Marie Antoinette looked amazing. Creating that silicon mask so he got the face was fantastic. I'm going to rave about this. Sorry, everybody listening. Um, I thought he got the balance of head to shoulder right so that it was much more stable. So he clearly thought about it. And then when his shoe buns didn't rise, he very wisely chose not to put them on because he would have been ripped to shreds for having dodgy shoe buns on there. Um, To create that hairstyle out of rice paper was extraordinary. I thought it was absolutely beautiful um, and look forward to seeing what he creates in future episodes because I thought it was absolutely amazing. Um, Who else stood out for me? I just, Peter, I'm... You know, again, I thought he showed a very sort of adult head on young shoulders to have pared it down to make something that he felt comfortable making. He was very sensibly put a small head on Chris Hoy's very large shoulders and he designed it to his strengths and not his weaknesses. So I was very impressed with that. But to be honest, I was impressed with all of them. I mean, I'm sure Howard will list some. I 
and you know some of them were great likenesses and some of them weren't but they all made me really laugh um oh yes it's especially freddie mercury <laughs> with his exploding head I, I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I going back to Peter there, I really liked his as well. Of course, as a sporting influence. I'm wondering if particularly some of our American listeners might have been Googling who some of these people were who, who were being made. Of course, not not all of them were, were English, but certainly Chris Hoy, one of them, or Sir Chris Hoy, we should, we should probably say, one of Britain's most famous cyclists uh, from, from recent years. Howard then, I mean, we had David Attenborough, Louis Theroux, who's one of my favourite people. Who, who did you enjoy watching and what skills were you impressed by? I, I, I think like Jane, I, I, um, I, I love that Freddie Mercury. It reminded me of, um, uh, there was a, a sort of character called Frank Friedbottom, which had a, a, a sort of um, cardboard head. Um, and uh, I thought, oh, it looks like Frank Sidebottom. But it was interesting as well that uh, I think over the years, you know, the little illustrations that Tom Hovey does, um, in, uh, when, in our series, he did a, a, a reasonably faithful reproduction of the, of the finished bake. Um, so I remember my first cake, which had sort of buttercream dripping down the side, and he drew it with dripping buttercream. Whereas I think as, as the years have gone by, he does illustrations now of what the cake is meant to look like. And then, and, and, and that's, that's great because you can see what, what the impact is supposed to be. But it's also just a little bit cruel when, when it doesn't end up looking like that. So Lupita Nyong'o was, uh, was one of those where she was supposed to look very, very beautiful. And uh, poor Hermine, didn't quite achieve that beauty, I don't think. Amazing the fabric she made on that dress, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Really, the work on that. I mean, Paul said, I thought it was real. I, that just looked astounding. I, again, she, she's into French patisserie, isn't she? So if she carries on into the competition, which I'm sure she will, um, into many weeks, I'm looking forward to seeing what she produces. Beautiful yeah. that was. She's put a bit of pressure on herself, hasn't she, for when the, the right week comes up now. Absolutely. Yeah. For Hollywood, where, where her favourite weeks may lie. We, we did see, and we see it a lot on Bake Off, didn't we, that as the end of the four hours was arriving, a couple of bakers helping out other bakers who, who hadn't quite finished. I think we saw Peter offering to help Rowan, and, you know, Sura was, was helping Laura. And... Um, of everything that's gone on in the last six months, this I liked, Howard. This was a reminder of what we enjoy about Bake Off. Of you know, yes, it's a competition. Yes, there's twelve different people who, you know, really hope to to go on and win and and uh, be a Bake Off champion. But it's still something where you can turn around to the person behind you, possibly who might have finished, and and they want to give you a hand very genuinely. Yeah, it's interesting. I think you, you mentioned earlier about some of the Zoom classes that we've been doing with Bake With Legend. And it's one of the things that, that uh, uh, American um, participants particularly raise about the fact that although it is a competition, it's not a kind of dog-eat-dog competition. You know, people are um, supportive of each other. And I think 
um, that's one of the things that we love about Bake Off, really. Yeah, well, you know, Sura was was helping uh, Laura just just at the, the final moments of trying to assemble. And look, it, it's tough, right? Because, you know, to wait for those sponges to cool, to be able to carve them out, it, it was always going to be tough on time, even with four hours, to make some of these in, incredible creations. Just before we talk about the Star Baker and who unfortunately had to leave us this week, it struck me that it was a remarkable normal episode of the show, wasn't it? I mean, if you, you turned that on in five years' time, would you remember this was a year of COVID? You, you wouldn't, right, Jane? This was, this was as normal, and that's a huge credit to Love Productions and, and all the people involved. Oh, I agree. If you have a short memory, um, you wouldn't, by looking at it, know it was anything strange going on. I think they did... A brilliant job, Love Productions. I'm I'm a huge Love Productions fan. Anyway, they've always been great to to me, and they were a joy to be in the tent with. They they treated us very well, and they have produced an absolutely stonking Bake Off this year. I didn't know that they were going to make Bake Off um, earlier on in the year. I assumed they weren't, um, and I'm absolutely delighted to see it back. I'm thrilled that we've got such lovely bakers like Howard. I mean, I'm really feel as though I can get behind lots of them. I love them all. And um, yeah, great job, Love Productions. Well done. I think fantastic. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And also great news for the viewers in America when it was announced just a couple of days ago that it will be shown on Netflix on Friday. So they're only 72 hours behind us. So I hope there's lots of uh, Americans listening to us on their Saturday mornings or Saturday as uh, having watched perhaps last night or or uh, during the week on Netflix. So we're delighted that you can be in sync with us as you uh, as we go through this current series. Hello, I'm Sam Pay. And I'm Martin Zolt-Sorstwick. And we are the two hosts of a podcast called Song, Song by, by Song. Song, where we listen every week to a track by the musical artist Tom Waits. Uh, you might know him for his gravelly voice. <coughs> uh, very nice. His appearance in films, but also his multi-decade spanning career uh, involving blues, jazz, and all sorts of other kinds of experimental music. So we're basically like a book club for Tom Waits. And if that sounds like your cup of tea, you can find us at songbysongpodcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. Everyone's dreaming of being Star Baker in week one. And it was Peter who got that honour, Jane. What did you make of him? I, I sense that you're very positive towards him. Yes, I think he is an astounding baker for one so young. I'm delighted he won. He was consistent all the way through. Shows, as I said earlier, you know, he's got an old head on young shoulders. He was very measured, paced himself really well. I look forward to seeing how he does in other challenges. I thought he was terrific and a great ambassador for Bake Off, having watched it right right the way back um and if we're a good influence on a young generation he's one of the ones that we've influenced i think it's lovely and i'm thrilled that he won howard were you pleased for the badminton player that he uh, was successful in week one yeah and, and i think i think jane's right about the fact that it's really lovely to see someone who has watched past series and has, has kind of learned from that 
Um, it, I, I think sometimes you, you see contestants in more recent series and you think, do you know, I bet they've not got a clue who I am anymore. But, uh, but yeah, I think Peter, Peter must have watched it. So that's lovely. I feel honoured. Yeah, Peter would certainly know who you are. Howard, it's never nice to see anybody leave the Great British Bake Off tent and to leave in, in this year must have been more disappointing perhaps than any other previous year given the uh, situation and what it would have meant to have just been able to be part of the experience. Uh, but for Loria, the diagnostic radiographer from Durham, it was a, a short-lived experience, sadly. Yeah, it was it was really sad because I think she um, she was very enthusiastic. She got some uh, really I was going to say bubbly ideas, and obviously uh, you know the bubble gum and things like that in the uh, cream soda in her Battenberg. Interesting, um, not probably my cup of tea, but yeah. And I think again she was trying uh, to do something very different with with kind of Swiss meringue buttercream and chilli and chocolate and so on. So lots of different things going in there, perhaps just a bit overkill. And Jane, you know, one week sadly only for her, but did you feel that that was a fair and correct decision? I did feel that it was a fair decision. Um, she was absolutely delightful and very entertaining and bubbly and, and gorgeous. But I have to agree with Howard, um, the bubblegum and cream soda flavours would not be to my taste. But I don't know, cast your mind back to when Nadia was on Bake Off, the week I knew that she was a real contender was when she made cheesecakes and she concentrated down cream soda to get an accurate flavour. Um, and they loved it. And I think where Loria went wrong was using stuff out of a bottle. And the, I know, and I'm sure Howard would agree that when you use any essences apart from vanilla and almond, they can taste so fake in a cake. And Paul hates it. You know, anybody who watches Bake Off should know, do not use fake flavours in a cake because he will always criticise that. Um, so, yeah, unfortunate with her Battenberg. And oh, when she said she was putting Scotch bonnet powder in her chilli powder in her cake, I thought, oh, dear, you have to be so careful with that. I think, again, she just tried too hard. I think just be a little more subtle and she might have got through. But, yeah, overwhelming flavours are not going to set the judges alight, I don't think. Well, you might remember from the last series, we had a little section called Howard's Hump, and I'm thrilled to say it's back. Howard, you've had, you know, nine, ten months off without a hump. What have you got for us as you come back now for series two, episode one? Oh, do you know, I, I do worry about myself, honestly, because I think, have I, have I just become naturally grumpy? I don't know whether it's, it's the fact that you've given me this opportunity to say things that, that just frustrate me. I, I was slightly frustrated, I have to say. It's not a major hump. But uh, Dave said, espresso martini. And I'm thinking, it's espresso, it's espresso, not espresso. Um, and then I thought, no, I can't make that as, as, as uh, the hump this week. So I think my main hump this week is actually in a summer that's been absolutely terrible for most people what a fantastic opportunity it must have been to have, have 
taken a break away from that and just done Bake Off. So my hump is that I wasn't there. <laughs> so it's a nice way to kick us off for the uh, new series of Bake Off. Howard. I'll let you get away with that, but don't think that you can do that next week and for the next nine weeks. <laughs> real humps um, that have uh, that have caught your eye. Well, look, we're, we're getting to the end of the podcast here. Before we go, it's a very difficult thing to do, but hey, let's do it. How on earth do we pick a winner at this point? Is there anything that you've seen after just one episode? And I think this is very difficult, and you always have the people that want to look at the group photo and see where are people positioned, and does that give anything away? But Howard, have you got anyone here that you think, I can see that they might be the winner? I um, do you know? I think it it really does depend on what the the other challenges are coming up, because I think we we know now roughly where they are placed in terms of ability with Kate uh, and their creativity and their um, ability to do quite complicated or uh, quite complicated techniques or to simplify things. So we've got an idea of, of those kind of things. But then they might be absolutely fantastic on bread. Somebody else might be, you know, great on bread, or or they might might be absolutely rubbish on it. So um, so I think I've got sort of four people-ish at the moment. No, you but... can't have four, Howard. Come mm. on, I'm asking for a, <laughs> pick a winner. Stick your neck out. Uh, Peter's very, Peter's very strong. I think if, yeah. if uh, I, I think Sura is is very strong. Rowan and Lottie, and I know that. <laughs> but that's four now. <laughs> all right, all right, Jane. We'll have to come to you. We're, we'll take Howard's first answer of Peter. Who, who are you seeing as a potential winner? This isn't Howard. I'm saying who do you like most, or who do you want to? Who, who do, you see? do you have anyone, Jane, that's leapt out? Do you think maybe they could win? It's really difficult. I think they have to be on Bake Off to get to the final. Uh, jack of all trades. Um, as Howard said, somebody might be brilliant on bread. You have to be good enough for everything to be better than just one other person in the tent to get through to the final. I knew that I just had to be better than one other person each week. Hopefully I was better than a few more than that, but I, that's what you had to do. Um, so, oh, I don't know, based on this, it's really difficult. I could give you my top three. Okay. But look, Peter is one, Sura is another. And I think Hermione, Hermione, is that how you pronounce it? I haven't got used to the names really. I think she could creep up there. But as we've seen in other years, I thought Nadia was going to go out and then she stormed on to win. You know, equally, Mark could be a dark horse. I think it's too early to tell, Josh, and I think it was really mean of you to ask us to pick a winner yeah. at this stage. When it's we, very difficult. We, we, can, uh, we can just keep predicting on it at the end of each podcast, or even the semi-final, uh, just uh, uh, carry uh, on. Uh, I'm going to put a, a, I mean, I do think that I, I like Peter, I like Sura, but maybe Laura is a, is a dark horse. And he's a, oh, yeah. 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 I'm backing Laura to at least make it to, towards the final. So that's my thought. Well, look, we're, we're so thrilled to be back doing this podcast. Thank you to, uh, to both Howard and Jane for being here. Howard, uh, a lot of people would have already heard the advert at the start of this podcast mentioning the online classes we've been doing. And just, just give us a flavour of, of what it's been like because a lot of people might not have listened to the podcast since last year and not be aware. But we've been doing these online classes 
giving fans of the show the opportunity to be welcomed effectively into your kitchen and the kitchen of other bakers. How have you found it doing these online classes? Oh, it's, it's been absolutely joyful. I, I must admit, um, I was a little bit sort of nervous at first. I, I didn't know what to expect. But it's just wonderful to see people from all over the world, you know, particularly we, we've had a lot of people from, from the USA. Um, but, but kind of, I, I'm really nosy. And I love looking at what they've got in their kitchens and so on. So that, that's partly, um, partly what I enjoy. But the fact that, oh, you just feel as if you're all baking together. It's, um, that there are no kind of barriers that, that distance can, can actually create, if that makes sense. But, yeah. No, no, it, I would agree with you. It's been wonderful. We've had people of all ages from, like you say, I think we've, we've now hit our 10th or 11th country of, of having people join us from. So that's been really wonderful. We should point out for our American listeners that we always start the classes at 5 p.m. UK time, which at the moment is 12 o'clock New York. So uh, 9 a.m., I guess, on the West Coast. So we are at least giving you a chance to, to get up early and make something for uh, a breakfast that, that you can enjoy. And they're incredibly interactive, the classes. We're keeping them to just group sizes of around 17 at the moment. So there is a, a real uh, interactive nature to them. So if you haven't yet um, decided to come and join us at one, please do do so. Um, and if you use the, co the code podcast at the checkout, you will get 10% off. And Jane, we're thrilled that you're doing your first one next month. You're doing raspberry jam and custard donuts, which is fantastic. We never taught that at Baby the Legend. I'm thrilled to be doing it. I'm like Howard, I'm probably a bit nervous because it's my first proper um, uh, Zoom class. But I'm looking forward to seeing everybody and having a good chat. I mean, as you can probably tell from the podcast, I, I have a little little trouble talking. <laughs> so, I mean, you'll have trouble shutting me up. Um, but I'm really looking forward to doing it. And these donuts, I, I have made loads of donuts recently to make sure the recipe is absolutely right for everybody. Um, and my neighbours are very, very happy um, that they get um, sort of jam and custard-filled donuts because little girl around the corner doesn't like jam, so she was very grateful for the, dust, the, the custard ones. So I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. And, um, yeah, it'll be good fun meeting lots of people who are fans of the show. And that is lovely as well, being able to share stories with them and answer any questions and just share their baking stories too. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's uh, it's been you know, great fun and much as we're missing doing physical events during this uh, difficult period with, with COVID or, or many physical events. We are doing some gladly with social distancing. It's been a, a wonderful alternative during this uh, difficult period. So we look forward to seeing many of you joining us. And if you ever want to see what's available, it's just bakewithalegend.com forward slash book hyphen classes well jane howard it's fantastic to be back we'll be back in a week's time if you have any questions for us here on the bake down podcast do send them in it's the bakedown at bakewithalegend.com or you can message us on instagram we're just bake with a legend or twitter we're also bake with a legend and we look forward to seeing you again next week thanks so much bye just heard a stripped media production. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.